welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today we are bringing on a fantastic guest, David Legat, and he is the founder and CEO of Bella Asset Management, where they've acquired and operated over 5,000 units with a value of over $550 million. He started syndications back in 2019 to scale faster and provide investors an avenue to earn superior returns through multifamily investing. He's also a father of five kids in real estate investing. And so I'm super excited to have this conversation with David here today with us. Welcome. How are you doing, David? Thank you, Eileen. I'm doing well. Thank you. David, can you share with us a little bit more about your background and how did you get started with real estate? Well, I can go back 20 plus years ago, 26 years ago, born and raised Kenya. I came to the US to go to college. And straight out of college, I started working at bank. And then while doing that, I realized America was not for me. So I started buying houses. And I did that for 10 years, buying houses, big debt rentals. I got to about close to 7,500 houses in 2008. And that created an opportunity because apartments became, you know, because I wasn't syndicated. So I'll use that equity that I created over the 10-year period of us family investing to get us start multi-family uh, journey. And so since then, I started with a fourplex in 2001, and I did 4,000 plus units without syndication. And then said 2019, I wanted to provide an avenue for the investors to invest alongside me before and started syndicating. So you came from Kenya. How old were you when you came to the U.S.? 18. So I came straight to go to college. Oh, so you came to college. So I'd love to ask, because it's a different environment in Kenya, the way, you know, the mindset and the environment is a little bit different in Kenya. So when you came to the United States, did a lot of that kind of shape how you thought? Because you came in, going to college, didn't think the corporate job was the path that was right for you, but instead went into buying houses. How did your background kind of shape what you were doing in terms of real estate and how you thought about finances and what your life could look like? Yeah, I view being an immigrant as an advantage, to be honest with you, because when you're coming from other country, developing a world country, whatever you want to call it, you know, you don't have a lot of opportunities. So when you land in the US, there's all this experience that you don't know. That's every one of them could lead something, right? So, yes, you know, when I was raised, my parents were like, you go to school, you get your degree, then you get a job, you work there for 20, 30 years. And, uh, you know, that was the mindset. I'm going to go to teach college. And then while going to college, you know, I read a lot. And so what I realized, you know, when you're coming from, you want to improve your life and improve the, you know, the lives of the people around you. So I was studying and trying, you know, curious to find out how can I do that. And I realized very fast that corporate America wasn't going to do it. And so 
what were my options? So I, I looked at other alternative things, even selling cars, you know, and that was it was a very slow, painful process that for one summer and I didn't like it. And, you know, I read about, you know, the most millionaires are from real estate, not people that invest in real estate. So I was like, you know, I'm going to study this and became a student of uh, real estate. I started reading about it, you know, and found my passion in real estate. They used to be, you can laugh about this, but I used to watch a lot of those in infomercials, like late night infomercials. Mm-hmm. And there was some no money down, I think, back then in the early 2000s with uh, Robert Allen, you know. So I used to watch a lot of those. Anyway, I set my foot to, you know, look for my first deal, the first deal that I, bought, I found. So you mentioned that you were watching infomercials and that's how you kind of got introduced to real estate and how you are able to build your wealth through real estate. So kind of talk us and walk us through the first couple of deals and how you were able to purchase those first couple of real estate properties. And then we'll transition into how you've been able to scale since then. Yeah. So my first purchase was a fourplex out of college. And the reason I did a fourplex was I got an FHA loan. So I moved into one side of it. And my down payment was 3%. So, you know, I closed it on the second of the month. I didn't have a lot of money starting out. So I closed it on the second of the month. So I got the rent proration for the next 45 days. Next mortgage is due. I got all the, my down payment ended up going from, you know, less than 3% because of those, right? So I was able to buy it. And that's one way that I got, I was able to get in and got some of the money from an advance from a credit card. That's how I bought my first complex. And then, you know, it led to another one. I bought the second one that really set me up was I bought a townhome, uh, close that complex that I ended up living six months later for 30,000. I did 10 one. So that's how I repeated 10 one exchanges so many times to get to a hundred uh, single family homes. And then I started paying them off. And with, you know, over the last 20 years, those houses have tremendously. And then I took on my, acquired my first multifamily in 2011. I got the equity out of the single family homes for the down payment on my first, on my first. So I was able to go to a local bank, ask for a loan, and they were able to give me enough. I could pay cash for my first apartment because the reason why was my first apartment complex was in the spotlight. And so no bank was willing to finance it, but they were willing to take the collateral, my single family, about 10 of them, use it as collateral on that first. I used as collateral. To buy my first apartment. I see. Okay. So in the beginning, when you got your first property back in 2011, you had gotten the FHA loan and then you were able to put 3% down. And from there, you were able to generate enough cash flow to purchase your second one, which was a townhome. Yes. So this was point of correction. That was 2001. Okay. It's my fourplex. The 2011 was my first true multifamily, like 72 units. Ah, uh, got it. So that, yeah. So from 2001 to 2011, maybe 2010, I was buying only single family. The biggest units that I bought was maybe a four, uh, four duplexes, four duplexes. Till 2011, when I went to a true multifamily, my first multifamily was 32 units. And so you got, you acquired a hundred homes up until 2010. You got up to a hundred homes yes. from 2001 to 2010. Uh, so basically, 10 to 1 exchange. So I would buy three houses 
using Bangalore post, and then every time that I'll fix it up, sell it, I'll make, you know, 30, 25,000 profit, and I'll do Tintar One Exchange to buy the next one. I'll use that for the top bear to buy the next one. But I kept pulling Tintar One Exchanges and kept buying. Got it. And so when you were 1031 exchanging to these homes, how long did it take you to, you know, purchase and look for the different areas and which markets were you focusing on to be able to purchase? It was all in Dallas. Everything was in the Dallas, you know, right close to the DFW airport. So not too far. Well, you know, Dallas and, you know, I bought everything in the Nixie area, the DFW area and bought everything in the environment. Oh, wow. Okay. And then in 2011, you were able to purchase your first 72 multifamily homes by taking the equity from 10 single family homes that you currently, that you had in your portfolio. And over that 10 year period, I had enough equity to give it to cash. And, you know, 2010, the prices were depressed. And if we have time, all the story of that's going to be in it. But anyway, it was, you know, I bought it for basically 20. And so I could get enough cash from. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Oh, got it. Awesome. And then so after that 72 units, what did you do afterwards? And you know, how long did you hold it for? And then do you still own that one today? And then how that's did you a, get into that's it? A very, that's a very good question. I bought that when it was, you know, it was kind of in a not so great of an area because you know, I paid 435000 And I sold it a year later, 13 months later for over so Sorry for how price. sorry for how much? Thirteen months. I sold it for one point seven five. So I got about a million dollars. That was my first check wow. that I after thirteen months. Wow. Yeah, so I took that and I bought hundred and ninety-three units in similar same thing. And this was all your own capital? Yes, rolling it out. So you know we had one million dollars and rolled into a hundred and ninety-three unit. Did exact same thing on the one ninety-three units, so we went to not bought complexes exact same thing. Got it. And so this is so interesting because we hear about 1031 exchanges and the power of what a 1031 exchange can do for you. And we're seeing firsthand here how many times that you're able to utilize it to be able to get up to the 4,000 units using the 1031 exchange model. Yes. And so even with that, it's actually one way that I was able to, you know, have that keep that flex power, right? Like if I pay tax, probably not be able to buy us any units. You know, every time I sold, I was buying more, I was getting bigger and bigger. And I think that one of the biggest portfolios that I bought doing the third one exchange is fifteen hundred in the third one. What was the biggest portfolio? Fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred. At at one time. So but it was all through the third one exchange. That's how I got it. The one thing that got me to get four thousand units is when I started buying for a thousand units. 500 units, 700 units at the same time. I went from buying 72, 193, you know, 120 units there, 100 and then 
bought one time, 1500 another time, bought 700 Wow. So throughout this entire journey so far, from your journey from the fourplex back in 2011 until before you started doing syndications and bringing on investors to participate with you... During that time, did you have any challenges or were there any times where you actually had like lost some money or has all of this just been working out really well for you in each transaction? You've been able to make a profit on each one of these different properties that you own. You know, somebody tells you there's no challenges and that's really what, what I look at myself as, right? There's always challenges it's like, you know, can you write us up with the location? And solve the problem. When you do solve problems, then you get paid on some way. And that I believe, you know, some of the properties that what I was buying at the beginning were, you know, kind of at some hand, let me put it that way. And then when I fixed that problem, you know, I got enough return because of whatever the situation is, whether it was not well occupied property, you know, a situation where the property is not financeable, whatever it is, then I was able to fix that problem. So there was a question, yes, I had issues that I had overcome, but I'm glad that I overcome those issues and I got paid on some. With 1031 exchanges, you typically have like a certain time period to be able to identify and close on the next deals. So when you were looking to 1031 exchange your properties into the next opportunity, how did you find those properties to line it up to be able to, you know, meet that timeline and close in time to be able to meet that 1031 exchange deadline? You know, I'm always preparing and I'm always buying. So a lot what's been working out for me is I'm always looking for property, right? Whenever I'm selling something, I have something lined up. But in some cases where it didn't line up, I did reverse it one exchange because now I have accumulated enough equity where I could buy the property before I could close on that property I'm selling. So I'll do reverse that one exchange in that instance. Got it. Has all the units that you've been purchasing so far all been primarily in the Dallas area or did you also expand into other markets? So after 2000, I believe 16, I expanded to Texas and the surrounding states to other surrounding states. And I believe now we're in five states. To five different states. And when the properties that you're looking at to 1031 exchange into, like what are some of the criteria that you look for for those properties? And how do you evaluate them to make sure that you're going to make a profit on them? Well, you underwrite, right? And you do the KPIs and, and you get the numbers. And so it has to give you, you know, the gas cash flow from day one. But I look at it, you know, that I didn't, I wasn't raising a lot of capital, uh, you know, but have limited you know, cash on my own. So what I would do is I would make sure that the properties are, you know, at least cash flowing or, you know, in a very short period of time. Okay, or whether it's a management issue, know that, it, you know, I have a window of six months to get it to black from red to black if, if that was the situation to face. So one of the things that I look at is that with the property, you know, am I buying it discount enough to where I can sell it? you know, six months and be able to at least make certain return. Let me put it this way, Aline. I think I was at the right place at the right time. Now it's kind of a little bit challenging, but back then people didn't want to invest in tertiary markets. And I got there in 2016. Now people came in 2018, but I was already there. So they're paying a little bit price. So they're buying me out when I've been there two years. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things that kind of helped grow because then I'll sell it now. I have... I have liquidity to buy even bigger 
What types of like returns would you typically expect or would you look for in the properties before that made them a good deal for you? I don't think you want to know that. <laughs> so uh, I started doing so pretty well that I would not do a deal. I just was looking at people say they want to get a you know ten percent cash on cash and whatever it is. For me, I'm looking at if I can make a couple million dollars a month. So I look at if I want to be frank, I don't really look at cap rate, you know. Right of return. I'm looking at you know what couple can I make out of it. And it's what the risk of going there. Everything is a risk. You just have to calculate the risk. Got it. So then you turn to more of a syndication model. So how did that come about, and why did you decide to bring in and go the syndications model and bring on some more investors? Uh, one, I wanted to give back, right? That's one way. It's I've now feel like I've been in the trenches. I have bruises to show for it. I feel like I have a good feeling. You know, I've tested with my own money, right? Like I didn't want to experiment with the investors' money at the beginning. And now that I've been there, I kind of feel like now I can take other people's money and take risks with other people's money. Granted, I felt confident that I could do that. Number two, you know, 2018, 2019, there was an influx of investors. Now, the deals that we were getting before, it became so competitive. I wasn't getting as many deals as I believe 2016, 2015, 2014. You would get a lot of calls from invest from brokers. 2018, 2019, you'd be the one top calling broker, right? Because they had so many buyers. They, and so I wasn't the only one that they, the brokers would call. So, you know, it was one way to have a deal flow, you know, that funnel of deals and a way of giving back to help. You know, bring the balance sheet, help you know, bring liquidity and other investors close the opportunities from it. Got it. And so now, you know, you have over 5,000 units <laughs> in your portfolio. And so what is next for you and what are you looking to focus on next? So we started to do a gap fund. That's, you know, talking about going back to, you know, giving back and trying to help other people do the same thing that I've done. So we're starting a fund and we're doing a gap funding. And basically what it is, it's just, you know, giving the investor that last $1 million, $2 million, $3 million they need to get there. So that's one thing that we're doing now. And number two is we started doing ground-up development. You know, we're doing land development and building more technology. Oh, got it. No, that's fantastic. I love that now that you've been able to you know, get to where you are today. It's your way of giving back and helping those other people. And then also, you know, giving yourself and your investors also a good opportunity too. So David, how has real estate investing impacted your life? I think it's given me time back, right? Um, we were discussing of the recording earlier is I have kids and, you know, so now I feel like real estate has bought me that time back to be able to spend with family and be able to focus on one other things besides worrying about that I'm able to do things that I can do that. So, and also real estate has, you know, I've met a lot of people and it's relational, right? So I've met so many people, so many relationships through real estate that I feel like enhanced my life in that way. And if there's one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started, what would that be? So big as fast as you could. I stayed in single family for too long. So, I should have gone into multi sound scale as fast as 200 years. Don't buy 100 years. <laughs> and what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? I think being patient and being persistent. I think sometimes 
things might not go your way, but I think if you stay long enough, things will open up. Awesome. Well, David, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing how incredible your journey has been so far from that fourplex to over 5,000 units today. That's quite a bit of a feat for anybody in their lifetime. And so I'm super grateful that you've come on and, and shared a little bit about yourself with us. Well, thank you, Elaine. I appreciate the time. So David, if our listeners also wanted to find out more about you and your journey, where's the best place that they can go? I think on my Instagram, the handle is Bell Multifamily. Bella Multifamily. Yes. All right, David. Well, thank you so much again. And we'll definitely put that in the show notes so people can find you on Instagram. Thank you, Eileen. Appreciate it. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.